Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience Okay, well verse 2 is describing who we were uh, in other parts of the Bible it's called our old man in other words who we were before we were born again just back at verse 1 I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible and it says and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin and that word quickened means as Gloria read means made alive so you hath past tense he, Jesus, made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. How did he do that? By his blood that he shed at the cross. And verse 2, where in time past we walked according to the, the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's talking about Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Um, would you like to read verse 3 please mm -hmm. Gloria among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others okay the King James Version says among whom also we all had our conversation in past time. You know, the conversation with, with whom? In the lusts of our flesh, falling to the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. In other words, so you've heard the saying, the worldly saying, birds of a feather flock together. That's what it's talking about here. Our conversation, sinners attract sinners. Saints attract saints, and born-again Christians are saints. That's why we're, we're attracted to each other, Eleanor and Kirsty and Gloria and I and anyone else who's listening who is a born-again Christian. We um, are attracted to each other. And, but this is talking in verse 3. It's talking about who we were in past times. And we, we were sinners, and we were attracted to sinners before we got born again. Uh, verse 4, please, Gloria. Mm -hmm. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Okay. I just got a yellow highlight run through the words God who is rich in mercy. Mm. And that's God what I was who talking is rich about in, mercy. in the uh, communion that uh, came out mm. uh, about rich. About For Jesus his great mercy. love wherein he loved us mm. Mm. you know God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son God is moved by love but it's not our love that he's moved by God is love and it's his own love he made the first move we love him as a positive response to his love for us verse 5 and then I'll open the lines for comment mm. from Kirsty and Eleanor and I don't mm. want you to feel like you're being put on the spot but 
if you've got no comment, then it's fine just to say, no, nah, I haven't got a comment, Gary. <laughs> okay, verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2.5, I'm just reading from my notes. Made us alive together with Christ. Verse 5 is a condensed version of what is explained in detail in the remainder of the chapter, of chapter 2. So you could, you could basically say this verse 5, let me just read it again. Even when we were dead in sins, hath Jesus quickened us, or made alive, together with Christ, who is actually God the Father, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. So what it's going to do in the rest of chapter 2 is expand on that verse and tell us what it's all about. So um, I'll just open the line up now and ask you, Eleanor and Kirsty, have you got any comments to make on the first five verses that we've just uh, read through? No, I haven't. No, no, I'm fine, thank you. Okay, verse 6 please, Gloria. Okay. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ mm. Jesus. Yeah, we've had this mention of heavenly places quite a number of times uh, in verse, oh, sorry, chapter 1. I'll just jump over to my notes and see what I've got written here. Ephesians 2.26, verse 6 says this so simply verse 6 and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus okay we're going to see what that entailed why did that require the mighty power of God verse 18 Ephesians chapter 1 the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you might know what is, look, I'm going to read it out of the King James Version, uh, sorry, New King James instead of the King James 18. Mm. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So that's the same place that we're seated. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fits, who Ew. fills all in all. So for us to be in this same place as Jesus we also had to be raised up there. Can you can you see that? Can you see that, Gloria? Mm. Can you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Raised us up together. Yeah. So we'll go back over to Ephesians 2, verse 6. 
um, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ so, Jesus. So God is giving us as much importance, you might say. Well, we are co heirs yeah, with Christ. We have been put and on and the same as level. Much importance as His Son. Yeah, we've been put. We co are sons of God. Sons of God. Co heirs with yeah. Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. It, it's like. It is mind-boggling to use my yeah. my what's the word called? Is it um, language? Uh, um, mind-boggling just to think that um, God the Father had has made us co-heirs with Christ. Mm. Verse seven, please, Gloria. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ mm. Jesus. Okay, that includes this age. And as we're doing this Bible study, we are being shown the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Right now, we are getting from the Holy Spirit a revelation of this. But you'll notice that he talks about the ages, that in the ages to come, so it's not in this only in this age of grace. It's in the ages of, to come. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I'll ask again, are you, uh, any comment there, Elnora or Kirsty? No, not okay. for me. I think I've understood this. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I know it. I know it's pretty it's pretty straightforward, um, but it's good to hear your voices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, verse eight, please, Gloria. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God. Verse 9 says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. Mm. So I'm just going to go to my notes on verse 8. Uh, Ephesians 2 verse 8, Grace through faith. It's that balance, isn't it? You know, our doctrine is called the balance of grace and faith. And here we have it. It's by grace through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So which mm. which part is the God part? Well, the God part is grace. The grace of God abounds towards us, and our positive response to God's grace is faith. Mm. And it is, uh, we have, we have a part to play, because um, as we've been doing this Bible study, I don't know whether it is this Bible study. Maybe it's the Bible study of Romans. I'll read a verse 10. Mm -hmm. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The only point to make there is we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are not created by good works. 
That's a very, very important point because there are so many people in the world who are trying to earn their salvation by good works. Some people try to earn their way to heaven. That's it. Mm. Yeah. By being good, moral, upstanding mm. people you see? and think that, you know, just do, being a good person is enough. I'll ask the question and then I'll answer it. What is it that makes Christianity stand out from the religions of the world? Christianity is the only belief system that has a saviour. All of the other religions of the world have to earn their way to, and I don't even know whether they call it heaven or paradise or whatever they call the, the destination that they're trying to achieve, but they've all got to do it by works. You see, our God, he has a standard and his standard is perfection. And man, because of the fact that we had, we were born in sin, because we had sin in us, we didn't qualify to go to heaven. So we needed a saviour right from the start. There is no way we could earn our way, no way we could make up for our sinful nature. When, when the, um, back in the Old Testament, when the Israelites took the, the lamb to the priest um, to make a sacrifice, um, for their sins, the priest inspected the lamb. He didn't inspect the person that was taking the sacrifice. He looked at the sacrifice. The lamb had to be young. It had to be in perfect condition. It had to be a spotless, perfect lamb. And that's what we had for our saviour, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world. Next verse, please, Gloria. Verse 11. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. What he's talking about there is that at the time you were without, this is verse 12, at the time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, so we, they weren't Jews, they weren't, um, you know, we weren't... Uh, we we didn't even, we were strangers from the covenant of promise, so we didn't have a, a covenant with God. The Gentiles were without a covenant. Keep reading because it goes into it in in more depth as we read on. Read verses thirteen and fourteen, please, Gloria. Mm -hmm. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. Verse 14, yep. for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Okay, so the subject matter that he's talking about here are the Jews and the Gentiles. It, it could be mis, uh, misread to look like it, God and us, but it's not. It's the Jews and the Gentiles. 
and my screen just went black. Where were we, Gloria? Um, uh, 2 verse 13 and 14. 14, okay. The Jews had a covenant with God, but the Gentiles didn't until Jesus shed his blood at the cross. And I've got written down here Matthew 22 verses 1 to 14. That's the parable of the wedding feast, and that story fits in here. What was that? You 22 verses? Uh, Matthew 22 verses 1 to 14. And I'm considering going yeah, over there, but we need to we need to get why would we would, why are we going over to Matthew? Mm -hmm. Because verse 13 says. But now in Christ Jesus, uh, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, peace, who hath made both one, who, both, both who, both, the Jews and the Gentiles. He's made mm. them both one and broken down that middle, that middle uh, wall of partition between us. Let's keep reading. Yeah having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Let's read verse 15 in the New King James Version, Gloria. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Okay. Now, I went over to Andrew Womack's uh, commentary. We're looking at verse 15. See that word abolished? Having abolished in his flesh. This is talking about the flesh of, of, of Jesus. The enmity, even the law of commandments when it's talking about the law of commandments contained in audiences it's talking about the law of Moses the Mosaic law so over in Andrew Womack's living commentary it says the word abolished is a very strong word the Greek word translated abolished here is k-a-t-a-r-g-e-o and it means to render entirely idle or useless. Strong's Concordance, the American Heritage Dictionary, defines abolish as to do away with, annul. Can you hear We were just wondering what the word was that you just felt out and what, what, what's it for? Which word, Eleanor? Um, the, you've got a, a word yeah. for abolished that you got out of Andrew's... Yeah. Could you spell that out again? In Greek. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. This is um, the word abolish is a strong word. The Greek word trans translated abolished here is spelt K A T A R G E O. Do you know how to pronounce that, Eleanor? Obviously, R R K is a G. But abolished, if that's the word, and if I'm 100% correct, it's pronounced rameno, which is cursed. It means so, cursed and banished. Yeah, cursed so, and banished. 
cursed and banished. Yes. So, so uh, here it's saying rendered useless to do away with. So mm. that fits in with the cursed and banished. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's talking so about it's talking about the the law. It's talking about and verse fifteen it says that word abolished is the Greek word kat katarago. Um Eleanor pronounced it. Did you yeah, hear it? Did yeah, hear I it? did, but I can't say it as yeah. well as Eleanor <laughs> <Yeah>. can. <laughs> You, you you get you get your tongue around it beautifully, Eleanor. <laughs> I wouldn't even try. Okay. It is abolished. It is cursed, and it it's done away with. You know, yeah. it's like when we say in the name of Jesus, I curse you, Satan. So it mm. has to disappear. Okay, that's a really good insight mm. into verse 15 yes, and that's, that's God talking about what Jesus achieved in his flesh, mm. um, you know, uh, Doing even away the, with law, the law, of commandments. the commandments con uh, contained in ordinances. So, you know, this is again talking about the, the end of the law. And it goes on, the second half of verse 15 says, For to make in himself of twain one new man. So now we're back to not talking about the law, but we're talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, mm -hmm. So making peace. Verse 16, That he might reconcile both the Jews and the Gentiles, both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity there, and of course the, I, I believe that enmity is the um, is in the law. Verse seventeen. And came and preached to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh, because the Gentiles were afar off, but the Jews were close, because they were God's chosen people. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. So, through Jesus, for through him, verse 18, we both, both Jew and Gentile, have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God. Ooh, wow, that's great. The words of apostles and prophets, in brackets, Old and New Testament scripture form part of the foundation of our faith with Christ Jesus being the chief cornerstone. In other words, both Old and New Testament scripture form part of the foundation of our faith with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Well, so if, you, if you imagine it as a building, mm -hmm. um, Jesus is that cornerstone that goes at the top of an archway. Mm -hmm. So okay. like there are pillars that go yeah, up, but then yeah, you have to have yeah. that cornerstone okay. to keep it all together. Yeah, because most of the time that you see the word and prophets, it's the law and the prophets. Let's go back to verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, 
but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So it makes it really, really clear. That is great. Mm, In whom the whole building Mm. being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, Mm. in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Mm. Wow. Okay. Uh, That's going to take a little bit of meditating on. Uh, Just just to get that sunk in. Yes, Ella? May I ask a question? Yes, go ahead. The the office of a prophet, obviously, is to prophesy. What is the the, um, what is the office of the apostle? Okay, let me deal with the prophet first, because that is a very good question. Okay, because the the writing all of his own. The New Testament prophet, the New Testament okay. prophet is completely different to the Old Testament prophet because in the Old Testament, before Christ, the prophet's role was to hear from God and to bring the word to the people. So right. because, yeah, that was the, the role of the, of the prophet before Christ. The reason for that is that the people weren't born again, so they couldn't hear from God themselves because God is a spirit. And if you're spiritually dead, then you can't hear from God unless you get a voice, an audible voice in this natural realm. And that can be counterfeited by the devil. But we who are born again, God leads us by his spirit. When he speaks to it, speaks to us it's spirit to spirit we don't need a prophet to be the intermediary you might say we don't have to have the the prophet bring getting the word from god and then the prophet giving the word to us in this the age of grace which is the church age the role of the prophet three things it's to edify comfort and exhort right exhort edify and comfort. I don't know what order they are, but there's those three things. So it doesn't bring comfort if it doesn't bring exhortation. And if it doesn't, what's the third thing, Gloria? Edification. Edification. If it's not those three things that the prophet is bringing in this age of grace, then it's not from God. I have heard of people in the church to the today saying they are Old Testament prophets and they're bringing correction and they're bringing um, correction to the people. That is wrong, wrong, wrong. If they're Old Testament prophets, then they are disciples of Moses. They are not disciples of Jesus Christ. Prophets in the New Testament age or the age of grace or the church age are to bring edification, exhortation and comfort. It's the biggest change in any of the roles for people in the body of Christ is the role of a prophet once Jesus went to the cross. That role of prophet changed dramatically, dramatically. And the reason for that is that no longer 
is the prophet the intermediary between God and that person or you might call them a mediator because we've got our our own direct connection spirit to spirit with the spirit of God your other question was what is the role of the apostle do you want to turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 Eleanor uh, yes we're there verse 11 and this is the answer to your question verse 11 and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers why for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should be no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love so basically that is the complete picture um, and he gave gifts to men well when he gave this is back in verse 8 those gifts um, you know the main one is that he gave the Holy Spirit other gifts that he's given as the fivefold ministry I suppose you'd have to include that and the role of the fivefold ministry well the fivefold ministry are listed in verse uh, 11 he for he gave some to be apostles that was what your question was what is the role of the apostle it's the same yeah. role for all five apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers so they're your five-fold ministry which includes the apostle for the equipping then this is why he gave them to the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ so it's for the equipping of the saints and and basically that's what we're doing here you know I'm, I'm a teacher I'm one in that five-fold ministry and I'm equipping the saints who are the saints anybody who is born again for the work of ministry as you know you and Kirsty have both got a call on your life at the very least that call is to be ministers of reconciliation can you find that verse please Gloria mm -hmm. uh, we are all called to be ministers of reconciliation and you have to be prepared and it's the role of these of this fivefold ministry to prepare the saints for their role in ministry it's first Corinthians isn't it two two Corinthians 5 11 okay let's go over to second Corinthians uh, verse 5 oh, sorry chapter 5 verse 11 at two Corinthians 5 18 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 Therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature Old things are passed away Behold all things are become new 
and all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation verse 19 to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them he has committed unto us the word of reconciliation mm -hmm. now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ's stead be you reconciled to God so that's the call on you know every people might say to you um, no God hasn't called me well yes he has mm -hmm. you know at the this is the minimum calling and that is to the ministry of reconciliation mm -hmm. so going back to um, the role of the fivefold ministry is to prepare the saints for the work of ministry because there's work in, involved you remember Eleanor the the lady um, I'm trying to think of her name who ministered to you and led Elizabeth, you to the Lord Elizabeth Elizabeth yeah. that's right Elizabeth yeah well that's what she did she was filling that role that that call on her life to the ministry of reconciliation and she led you to Jesus and she call, caused you through just being a friend caused you to be reconciled unto God so that's that was her part and that's a good example of the ministry of reconciliation at work but we are all called to the ministry of reconciliation right okay so that was a bit of a long-winded answer to your question about the apostle do you understand the Yes, you answered it and it's made me understand. Okay.